lot of fear. There's a lot of fear attached to having them take her away from us. Yes. Yeah, um, we were terrified that they would take us take her away from us and this attorney just you know, magnified it and she told us, she said, if they wanna take her, you kidnap her. You just take off and go. And I thought, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> but anyway, we didn't say anything. And Dan moved to Columbus in April. And finally by June, I thought, you know, what do we got to lose? Yeah, I'm, you know. Now this is 1984, because you got her in May of. Yeah, this was 19, yeah, this is April of 1984. And so, you know, Dan was coming home on weekends, and I would go up there, and, and, and so we just decided that we had to get our family back together. And. So I put our house on the market, and I told our caseworker that we wanted to adopt her. And I laid out this, you know, this whole scenario. We have black friends. I took black history classes in college. You know, I know some of the history. We love jazz. We like, you know, all of these things to try to, yeah, try to make our case. And scared to death that she would, and she said, well, I'll have to talk to my supervisor. And she said, but to tell you the truth, we don't have any place to put her. We don't have anyone who will take her. And that made me a little more comfortable with the whole thing. And she said, we'll let you know. And I, was, I would have taken her and left the state. but it didn't come to that. So they told us that they finally decided that yes, we could adopt her. We could do an interstate transfer to Ohio with her. And then once she was legally free from the father, we could start adoption proceedings. And so we moved, in October, I moved to Ohio. And <clears throat> didn't sell our house, we rented it and um, moved to Ohio, and we had a caseworker there who was, I was used to caseworkers who were ladies, white ladies who were southern belle dressed, you know, perfectly coiffed, perfectly manicured and all of this. And we went to Ohio, and our caseworker, they assigned a caseworker to Jennifer, and it was a young man in blue jeans and an earring. And I thought, this is different. <laughs> and Jennifer was, she has always been a very, well, I mean, from the time that she really was old enough, she's always been a strange child. And <clears throat> when this man came to visit the first time, she wouldn't go to him. You know, he wanted to hold her, and, and she wouldn't go to him. And he said, well, that's not unusual. He said, most foster children are very reticent to go to strangers and all that because they've been shifted from this family to that family. And I said, well, unfortunately, that doesn't ring true here because we've had her since she was three weeks old. And then <clears throat> once we started the adoption proceeding, I mean, the paperwork, 
they shifted her into what they call their black family connection, which is their adoption arm for black children in Columbus, Ohio. And, but in the meantime, we had um, the scare of our lives because one of the fathers showed up and wanted to adopt her. And for about six weeks, I was an absolute basket case. And finally got to the point where I said, you know, whatever happens, happens. And so, um, at that point in time, he was engaged to a black woman who could not have children. And so this is why he thought, he, if they could prove that this child was his, he wanted her. And at that point in time, the mother had disappeared. And he was going to have to hire a private detective to track her down and then go through all of the expense of having all the blood tests done. And, and, uh, and he decided that he would relinquish his rights that he didn't want, because there was, you know, he might go to that expense and that time and, and she might not be his. And so he relinquished his rights. And he was the only one that they ever uh, had any idea of, uh, or anybody who came forward. And so then they let us start our paperwork to do this. It took 10 months, we had to do Ohio paperwork and Georgia paperwork, and so it was a case of, you know, sending paperwork back and forth and back and forth, and after 10 months, then we were able to adopt her. And they make it very easy in Ohio to adopt. Um, they encourage their foster parents to adopt any foster children they have, no matter what color they are, mm -hmm. as long as they're over two years old. If they're under two, you can't. But otherwise, they encourage you. So Ohio has a whole different attitude than yeah. Georgia. Yeah, it was just, it was like night and day. And the caseworker that Jenny was associated with at the Black Family Connection, and, and at the same time when we were in Ohio, I was taking babies through their foster care system. And I had black babies. Um, you were taking babies. Oh, you as were, foster you parents. Additional right, right, home. yeah. It, when we had Jenny, a month after we got Jenny, we got a brother and a white brother and sister, uh, and we had them for six months, and it was interesting. The little girl had red hair. The little boy had very blonde hair, and Joshua has brownish hair, and Jennifer was obviously black. And I can remember being at a park one day, and and a woman came up to me, and she said, "Excuse me, but I." I really have to ask this. She said, how do you get a redhead, a blonde, a brown, and a black? And I, a lot of times I'm very sarcastic and very not real. My husband says I'm not really <laughs> um, what word do I want to use? <laughs> I'm rather direct sometimes. Uh -huh. And I, uh, but I was very nice. And I said, well, Three, three of them are foster children, and that's how you do this. Uh -huh. And I, when I went home, I guess which ones. <laughs> I went home and I, and I said, uh, I told my husband, I said, 
you know, I really should have just told her that one was the milkman's and one was the mailman's. <laughs> but I said, because when my, my older kids were little, my one son had to have orthopedic help, and he wore these shoes with the bar attached. And I can remember, when we lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas, I can remember having him downtown in his stroller and this woman walked up and she, she asked, she said, oh, that is so neat. What, is this some, something new? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, no lady's crippled. And just, you know, yeah. you have the nerve to ask, I'll give yeah. you a <laughs> smart aleck answer. But, but down in Georgia, I didn't give her a smart aleck answer, although after I thought about it, I thought I should have. But, um, and we, down in Georgia, I mean, we had, but we were stared at by black families, more so sometimes than white families. With, with, you're talking about, with Jennifer, Jennifer, yeah, with Jennifer. Uh, I can remember being in McDonald's one time, and in Georgia, in, in Georgia, and she happened to be asleep on the seat, mm -hmm. and so we and and we and our our older sons happened to be home, so we're sitting around and. And all of a sudden, Jennifer wakes up and gets up, and there was a, a, a large number of uh, a big black family that was sitting in a couple of booths next to us. And when she sat up, and, and I picked her up, it was like, <laughs> and so it, it just wasn't something that was seen down there. It was not accepted. Uh, I'm sure I got a lot of interesting comments made about me when I was at the mall with her. Uh, you know, I, I can just imagine some of the terms that were probably used for me. And yet in, when, in Ohio, there were a lot of, of mixed couples, a lot of mixed children um, in that community. And it was, uh, we weren't stared at as much. But down down south, we were, we we were never discriminated against. Um, although I I'm in a, uh, I'm I'm a member of Delta Gamma, and I was a, a, a social. It's a, a sorority. What social. I joined at Washington University. And I was active in the Alumni Association down in Georgia, in Atlanta. And I used to take Jennifer when she was a baby to the meetings with me. And they thought that she was cute and you know she was a good baby and they thought she was real cute. And then when I said um, we were going to try to adopt her, they were appalled the women who were from yeah. that area. They were just... How did they show that? Uh, not in words so much, but just in a change in attitude. Did she cease to be cute to them? I think so. And I think they could see long term because as a member of that, then your daughters are legacies oh my and God. can mm -hmm. join that group. Did, so you, and did so, you cease to become cute to them too? Uh, I don't know. I, I was one of the workhorses, so they really, I was kind of indispensable. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, there was a definite change in attitude. 
and just—it was just a feeling, you know. It was different. Did you do social things with them? Yes. Social. Yeah. So did they stop that? Well, no, because there it was. It would have been difficult to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it was an open. You could go if you wanted to, um, and I didn't socialize. Socialize That's with I mean. them, in any way. Right for dinner. Yeah. No. No. We had luncheon meetings and things like that, and uh, and a Christmas party and, and things like that. But it was just, uh, you know, Jenny wasn't cute anymore when uh -huh. when she might. <laughs> You weren't Be part of the and you weren't terrific <laughs> for being a foster mother. Um, well, by the by the time that I made this announcement, we were getting to the point where we were going to be leaving. But I think they were thinking in their minds long term. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's interesting now. I mean, the chapter here at Washington University now has black girls and Asian girls and you name it, they have it, and Indian girls. And it used to be, and especially down south, that it was all white. Um, and it, it was only changed in the Karen, last. Be, because you were able to do this, um, and, I, and I say we're able to because what I mean by that is I think it takes, uh, oh, a certain something inside you that mm -hmm. other people may have but don't exercise maybe sometimes it's like muscles if you don't use them you lose them <laughs> or, you yeah. or you don't know you have them i mean i don't know what's inside all of this but anyway um uh, you you knew it's like you knew something before other people knew it uh, mm -hmm. this was coming yeah you're yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I never, I didn't grow up with the idea that black people were inferior to me. Uh, they were people. But was this and because was this because of your father's? I think so. I think and so. Being involved in them. Yeah, and, I think and, so. And the attitude yeah. of your father. Put it in your words. I'm I, I you. yeah, I, I think that uh, from early on. I, I knew people were people. They're good people, they're bad people. He said that to you. Yeah. That, you know, it doesn't make any difference what color you are. And, um, so you, this so was, this was, this a, is, and, and I say, I've always had an empathy for the underdog. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you be more of an underdog than a little kid that, you know, mm -hmm. nobody wants? And, um, so I really, uh, I th and, and I have. Um, but now it's the way to go. I mean, now it's accepted. Now right. It's, it's, right. Now it's still whether not, it's still not yeah, whether I would have had the courage to do it, or even thought about doing it earlier in my life, I don't know, because I had, you know, young children and. Uh, Probably eventually I would have gotten into foster care. It, it's just something that that uh, I love children. And uh, okay, so um, and you took Black History courses in college. Yeah. Was that was that a how many people of Caucasian birth were doing that? Um, 
Well, I took those classes uh, not at Washington U. I took those later on when I went back to school in Rolla. Oh, okay. And I they had no. It I wasn't was here. Say that was no, a, there were as, as I remember, there were very few black students exactly. at Washington that's, University. That's why I wanted to go back. And so, at the point I did that, it was like ten years later. Mm, okay. And um, now. Let me stop for a moment. You've got Jennifer, she belongs to you. Mm -hmm. You're in Columbus, and you're going to return to St. Louis? Yes. Okay. Uh, by the way, were your parents supportive of this action that you took? Yes. Um, because they saw her from the time she was little. Uh, and, it, and it was a while. So they became attached to her, too. I mean, they saw her um, fairly often. Did either one of them ever say? No. No, it's, it's this, like. This is not, this is a way. Um, no, they, well, I, today my mother sometimes, Jenny has had some problems, and she said, with children. And she said, do you think it's because she's black that they feel this way toward her? And I said, you know, I tell her, it may be. I mean, she knows it's there. Um, but my mother is a very, uh, my dad is deceased now. And, uh, but my mother is very open-minded and, and um, you know, I mean, they got to the point where she was just part of our family. And uh, they never once said you shouldn't do this. Uh, you know, they they were supportive. And Dan's parents were, were deceased when he was a, his mother died when he was a teenager. Okay, so so his now he does have a twin brother, and his twin brother was very biased. Although he loved Jennifer dearly, and. He um, he doesn't tell as many racist jokes anymore. He's uh, you know he's changed a lot since we've had her, and he never said you know you can't do this. This is uh, you know he thinks his brother's crazy for marrying somebody who had two kids anyway, <laughs> and then have another one and then <laughs> but um, he was probably he would probably be the the one person who, uh, you know, outwardly would seem to be more racist, and yet uh, he's changed. He's he's changed, and he dearly loves Jennifer. Gets aggravated with her sometimes, but he dearly loves her. All right, this is uh, by the Sister Prince, and I'm. This is the second interview. Today is September with Karen Skinder. Um, this is two, Wednesday, uh, September 8th, 1993. Um, the, we, we were still in Georgia, mm -hmm. and you're, you're going to move here to St. Louis, back to St. Louis. Well, we were in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, it's Georgia where you had adopted yes. Jennifer. Um, 
And you're about to move back to St. Louis, and, and before we started on tape this morning, we, we've had a little discussion about, you said that you hadn't given it much thought, I said I'd given it a lot of thought, and I still didn't know exactly which way to go, but I think that um, we'll just plunge in. Uh, let me ask you something. After this short discussion we've had this morning, what's on your mind? about it? Not, not really anything. Okay. I, I'm kind of blank this morning. Okay, well I'm going <laughs> to unblank you. <laughs> Need to right get focused. You. Okay. Um, well let's start with coming back here. Um, did you, yeah, how old, how old was Jennifer when you came back here? You came we came back in 86 and she's uh, 10 to now. look for a house and she was uh, just over three years okay. old. Okay, and you had um, uh, Joshua mm -hmm. who was uh, seven. seven. Okay, now were John and James living with you then? No. Okay, so just no. your husband, just the four of you. Right. All right. So, and when we first came back, mm -hmm. we spent five months looking for a house. And during that time, we lived with my parents. And then, when we purchased a home, we worked on it for about seven months. Okay. And. During that time, the kids and I lived with my folks, and Dan stayed in our house. Just because we were creating lots of dust, and, and Joshua has a lot of allergies. Mm -hmm. And so the kids and I stayed with my mom and dad. And my, my dad was was quite ill at the time and so that was one of our motivations to come back to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So you found a house? Found a house. And it was where? It's in the Tagrove East neighborhood on Crittenden. Um, one, the first block north of Arsenal and we're four houses east of Grand Avenue. And we selected that neighborhood um, basically because we got a lot of house for the money. And we chose it because it was a mixed neighborhood. And this was important to us that we get into a neighborhood where we, we lived among people of all different cultures and races. So who, who in fact did live in that neighborhood? Uh, on our block we have, um, um, it, it's a mixture of ages and um, we have uh, one neighbor who is black, we have a neighbor who is from South America, um, we, we just have a real mixture. We have some um, 
homosexual couples uh, on our block. And so we, do, we really have a cross-section of, there are no Asian families living on our block, but there are Asians living in the next block. And so we pretty well run the gamut. In, in the neighborhood in general, I would say it runs the gamut of just about everybody. All right, and um, uh, Joshua goes to what school? Joshua goes to Word of Life Lutheran School, and he is in their special education program. And Jennifer goes? Back. Jennifer is a voluntary interdistrict transfer student uh, to North Glendale. Why did you do that? Various reasons. Um, we tried for two years to get her into one of the magnet schools. Um, we live on a block that is bust anyway. Um, from For kindergarten, the children on our block go to what's considered the neighborhood school and after that then they're bused uh, to Siegel Elementary and when she was in first grade she went to Siegel and we sought to get her into another we sought to get her into the magnet schools basically because we thought she would probably get a better education. Uh, that we were not dissatisfied with the teachers at the regular public school, um, but there were no counseling services. Um, the nurse's office was in a closet uh, with a desk and a chair and a filing cabinet, and that was it. There was no place for children to go and Jennifer does have some problems. Um, I asked about having her tested and having psychological testing done for her and was told by the principal that they had no counselor. And this is a school with over 600 children. And I'm sure m many of them had much more severe problems than Jennifer had and their needs were not being addressed. I was told by the principal that if I thought it was really, really necessary that he could initiate the paperwork <laughs> to have her tested and have counseling to arrange for psychological testing, educational testing. But he thought it would probably be at least a year before anything started. And so I dropped it. Um, and we applied to the magnet schools. And for two years in a row, she was not selected in the lottery. And when she wasn't selected the second year, I thought, we will apply to the Voluntary Interdistrict Program 
and see if we can get her into that program. And within six weeks, they called and told us that she could uh, go into this school at North Glendale. And her first year there, um, she had, they, they did do educational testing. And, well, they did the whole gamut of testing. And she is learning disabled. And um, she has gotten counseling and she's in special ed. And I really think that had she stayed in the public school that she that is our neighbor is our school that she would be bused to, that she really would have fallen through the cracks. And I and no matter how much I badgered, we probably would not have gotten the services that we get now. Because of the school district. Because of the school district. But not, not and the principal explained to me that the the schools in North St. Louis, which were all black, received basically what they asked for uh, as far as funding uh, to bring those schools and those facilities up to speed. And then the magnet schools received the next funding and the regular public schools received what was left. And I, I could not fathom that a school with 600 children, over 600 children, did not have the services of a counselor on a halfway regular basis. And Did you go past the principal? To no, no, I just, uh, I didn't. I, it was very depressing. I was, um, this school, I, I got involved with the PTA. Siegel. At Siegel. And there might be six or eight parents at a PTA meeting. So it, it's an atmosphere where the parents are not encouraging the educational system. And I thought it was a losing battle. I really did. And so we decided to go another route. And I would prefer to have her in the magnet system, but we just didn't see that as an option after after two years of trying to get her into How the system. How long was she on the bus? Well, well actually, we, she has not really ridden the bus. Um, the bus trip, she would be picked up at 7.25, and school started at, at the first year she was there, it started at 9 o'clock. And she doesn't adjust to change real easily, and we thought that that would be too much for her. And we have to take Josh to school anyway, and that was halfway to where Jennifer went to school. And so we have driven her back and forth to school, which has added a lot of miles to our car. And it's interesting, this year we had told her we wanted her to try riding the bus. And 
this year we didn't get a bus card and we assume that they've decided we don't want to ride the bus <laughs> and so I have to uh, we are going to try to get her to ride the bus this year she has had some problems with um, the children at school and she does Her personality. Okay, it's it's her personality. Last year, she had a a couple of significant problems with children at the school, and when they were asked why they did this, their response was, "She doesn't care. It doesn't make any difference." but it did make a difference and even though she doesn't show it she shows very little emotion for anyone except her daddy so uh, they did something yes a, a she literally she was stoned on the playground by a large group of children and they said that it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter to her yeah she doesn't care and she does um, and so after that, then she did go into counseling. And it was interesting that they have a full-time counselor at North Glendale. And after this incident, which Jennifer did not even tell us about, I found out about it from one of the teachers. Um, and so I went to see the counselor because she does regular classroom sessions on feelings and, and for another person's feelings and all this. And I went to tell her that, you know, obviously her program was not, you know, there was something not quite getting through. And she asked if, if we had had family counseling. And I said, no, but I think probably eventually we will need it because I, I anticipate problems with Jennifer. Um, especially as she gets to be a teenager. Not only, I, th I think she'll have problems about the black and white issue and about the adoption issue and all kinds of things. And so I, I thought, you know, eventually that would come to that. And so I told her, no, we had not had counseling. And she said, would you be willing to go? We will pay, the school district will pay for three sessions. And so we went for three sessions and the counselor decided that we were fairly normal family, but <laughs> You know, and so we stopped family counseling, but Jennifer has continued with individual counseling on a sort of regular basis. And um, in the year after last year, well, it's been about a year and a half now, uh, she also has epilepsy and had an epileptic had a 
a seizure at school and um, and she's now on medication that uh, her personality is changing it's getting much easier she's getting much easier to live with and um, she is beginning to talk to the other children and and so she has made changes and so we don't know you know if it's just a medication it's it's a combination of everything I'm sure but she's always been a very um, strange I, I classify her as a very strange child uh, having raised other children she's just not like any other child I've ever encountered and um, so she she asks sometimes to come back to Siegel and yet she really didn't have friends there either mm -hmm. and um, so that's that's where we are and why we are in the school in that school district and they're very uh, they're very concerned about it and, and but my mother when something happens my mother's first thought is do you think it's racially motivated do you think it's because she's black that they're responding in a certain right way. right um, two days before the stoning incident happened she was sexually harassed by in the halls uh, going back from the special education classroom to her regular classroom by some of the um, and I, I think all of the boys in this incident were black and um, and she told us she did not tell us anything about anything that happened that week so um, in a way, she's um, she's a very unusual child. What and was the stoning incident over? No, no one really knows. It just it just happened on the playground um, at recess. So, how do you feel? Uh, you just feel that it, you, I think you said before it was just it's just Jennifer. You don't feel that it's a racial. Thing. I I think that particular incident it was a mixed group it was boys girls black white mm -hmm. they just um, and what precipitated I don't know that anyone knows and and well, it was never satisfactorily handled as far as we were concerned mm -hmm. uh, but the counselor told me she said I can't haul every one of them in here and I thought you know every one of them needs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but Jennifer has changed a lot in the last year, and we see uh, she is showing her emotions more, and she is talking more, and uh, so we we hope she keeps going in that direction, and that too. the kids accept her uh, more, and. That's one of the sad parts. You can't make somebody like your kid. <laughs> no, no, and I'm sure it hurts. Um, 
I, when my mother asked, you know, when every time something happens, she said, do you think it's because she's black? I said, I hope not. I hope it's just because she is who she is and, mm -hmm. and the way she is. Um, I don't see, in her school, I don't see a lot of outward racism toward the other black children in, in the school. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that it's just a, uh, and, and the teachers and the staff have been very supportive and very caring. Well, that's good. And it's, it's, it's good for you all yeah. because you need to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're comfortable on your block. Yes. And um, <laughs> although the shooting, the the man who was killed at the ATM was two blocks from our house. At the what? At the ATM last weekend was two is two blocks from where we live. And um, I was talking to one of my neighbors Monday, and her son had been shot at driving in his car. You hear the drive-by shootings, and he was driving by a house. Mm -hmm. And they ran out and shot at him about oh, about a mile from where we live. And she told me that her other son's car had been carjacked at gunpoint about a, four blocks from where we live. So, but I think that those kinds of things happen. It's random and it's yes, and they happen anywhere. Um, so, the area that you live in around Tower Grove. Mm -hmm. You said that that seems like home to you. Yes. Where else in St. Louis would you feel, or could you feel, do you think, acknowledged as a family, as your family is now, Jennifer, Joshua, you and Dan? Um, I doubt that we would fit in in West County. I think we could live in the Central West End. Um, I don't think we could live farther south in South St. Louis at all. Mm -hmm. I think it would be uh, a very difficult situation. Um, I think we have to choose neighborhoods that are are basically mixed mm -hmm. and. Um, Uh, are there areas of St. Louis that that you yourself, uh, maybe with Jennifer or without, you might answer it two ways, that you yourself would not want to enter? There really isn't any place I won't go. I mean, I drive through North St. Louis. I, I used to go up to the girls' club up on, on Margareta, uh, which is a basically all-black area. And um, it doesn't bother me to drive anywhere. Uh, I don't think I would choose to live in North St. Louis um, in an all-black area because I don't think I would be comfortable doing that. Um, I think we have to... I think we generally have to stay in an area that's not all black mm -hmm. nor all white, and uh, because we're not all black or all white, and we, I think we generally have to just stay in 
What is, uh, so is there some place that you would not feel comfortable with Jennifer? Yes, I would not feel comfortable with Jen. I don't know that I'd feel comfortable with, I wouldn't feel comfortable with Jennifer uh, in South, South St. Louis. Now, that's because you live there. You know yeah, that. Yeah, right, okay? right. So often I interview people and they, um, they say that, mm -hmm. but it's maybe something, sometimes it's something they've heard, sometimes mm -hmm. it's, it's a story they've heard, yeah. or it's, they just go over there and they don't feel comfortable the way people look at them. What is the girls' club? The girls, well, it's it's now called Girls Incorporated, and they have um, it's a national organization. And in St. Louis, they have a clubhouse on Margareta, and they have a clubhouse on Sydney. The original was a, one was on Sydney. The one on Margareta has opened uh, after um, probably about three years ago. It opened, and. It's a program designed basically for it's an after-school program and a summer program for girls. Um, and generally they come from the lower economic end of the spectrum, uh, but it is not, I mean, they, they have girls from basically the neighborhoods. They were picked up after school and taken to the club. And they had um, programs Jennifer? for them, yes. Okay. And when she went to Siegel, the year that she went to Siegel, she did go to the girls' club. She didn't want to. I made her go because I thought she needed the socialization because she did not. There were not any little girls on our block mm -hmm. uh, or in our area at that time that um, that she had to play with. So I wanted her to have interaction with girls. She always tended to get along better with boys than with girls. She didn't care for girls. So I wanted to make her interact with girls so in her age. You did group. feel comfortable in there, going yes. there? Yeah. Well, the reason I went to Margareta, she went to the one in Sydney because oh. that was the one closest to her school. But I was active with the parents group I see. and went to meetings, and they would have meetings. And you were comfortable? And I was comfortable oh. going up there. Okay. Didn't bother me. Um, I enjoyed working with the, um, basically the clubhouse on, on Margareta is, was mostly, primarily black girls. The one on Sydney was mostly white girls with some Asian, some black girls. So the parents were and so mostly the, black, you're saying? So the parents at the Margareta branch were mostly black. And the children and were? The, the children were black. Uh, and Asian. Well, in the South one, on, on uh -huh. Sydney, it was a mixture of white, black, Asian. Um, I thought you said that the parents went to Margareta and the children went to Sydney. No, they, the parents' meetings sometimes were at Margareta and sometimes at Sydney. And, and I was president of the parents' organization, and so I used to go up to Margareta but they had children for there. meetings. And the, the kids really... The, the children don't associate that much. We were trying to work out a carnival type thing that we would have. Um, I'm not understanding. <laughs> I want to know where the, where the you, ex, just explain it very simply. Okay. Where the children were. The children went after school mm -hmm. to the clubhouse. Which one? Both. 
Oh, I both. see. I'm sorry. The children who went to school up by the Margareta one were taken there, and the children who lived so it, and went to school right, in the so south part. The parents were black and the children were black. For the most part, For the yes. Most part. And, and the Sydney Clubhouse, uh -huh. the parents were, there were varied. Varied, and the children were varied. So you say varied means Hispanic, uh, right. uh, Asian, Asian, black, black and white. Okay. Um, now you told me that your your eldest son married a Jewish girl. Yes. And your second, second son, Jim, mm -hmm. uh, married a girl from El Salvador. Right. So um, just bringing that into the conversation, what areas are you most likely, are you least likely rather, least likely to see people of color interact together? I think it's, I think in St. Louis, it, it's something that you have to choose to do. And I don't know if I understand what you're asking. I mean, um, when, you, when you go out, when you go out with your family, mm -hmm. um, and you see, maybe you go to the zoo, mm -hmm. do you see, do you see uh, people of color uh, Interact interacting. Interacting. Do you see them yeah. together? Yes. Do you see uh, wherever you go, if you uh, go to the park, do you see a, a black family here and a white family here? Or Spain? Do you see, where do you see people that might be mingling together and have gone someplace together? Uh, it's a hard question. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say. Now, my, the park next to my, near my mother's house is Francis Park, and you don't see any mm -hmm. mingling. And, and your mother's on Pernod? No, my mother used to, she's on Donovan now. So she I grew, Donovan. yeah. Okay, yeah. you grew up on Pernod. I grew up on Pernod, and, okay. and she, they moved to, uh, on Donovan, which is in St. Louis Hills, um, in 80... Six. Okay. Um, so you do, you see them at the zoo? At the zoo. Uh, in Tiger Park you see them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, um, I think in some of your neighborhoods, your neighborhood associations, you see people working together and socializing together. Uh, in certain neighborhoods in the city. Uh, ours, you do. And but I, th I think a lot of it you have to make a conscious choice to do those things. And um, I'm not sure that the majority of people in St. Louis would do that. I think it's still a minority of people who will, who do the mingling and the socialization between um, the races. How do you find these places that people 
I think you have. I th I think you have to get involved in an organization or something of that type to begin the process. Mm -hmm. And when you know each other, and and I, I and I think then that evolves from that. Uh, I I'm I'm sure there are some churches in the city where you have this mixture. Uh, I, I think it I think it starts being involved in in something else that brings you to that point. Your need find Right, you find these organizations are started because of the need. Right, right, and and then and that's where you begin to get your mingling. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think, you know, sometimes through school, you can get some of that, um, and and I think that in the future, you know, hopefully each generation gets a little better. I don't know that it'll happen, but I think that because I do see more children mm -hmm. who interact than I do adults, and I and I think that you know each each generation, if we can have a few more children that interact and become friends, that it will um, it will become more prominent and more. It happens more. Yeah, and the children are taught. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> well. Um, would you like to name a couple of the organizations that might be helpful? Well, I'm. Uh, our neighborhood association is Tower Grove, Tower Grove East Neighborhood Association, mm -hmm. and um, they they do have you know projects that they work together on and and um, it's an open thing. It's where, an open where thing. Say we're yeah, I, we our neighborhood has pizza sales and we do the um, we sell uh, drinks at the VP Fair. And it's just you know everybody goes down and helps and, and does saying, those kinds of racial, things. But the racial integration mm -hmm. is an open. It's open, yeah. That, that you're working on it. I mean, it's a right. it's a said thing. It's yeah. it's outspoken. Well, it's it's like you know you're welcome to come and. Mm -hmm. But and, are, are uh, things discussed there? Are, are no, I don't think so. I I haven't. It's uh, taken naturally. I or? think it just kind of comes naturally and you know by working with each other and um, I haven't so much heard it discussed you know we need to do this it's just uh, we have a very active neighborhood association mm -hmm. and everybody is interested in in making the neighborhood work and bringing it up so instead of letting it go down and so there's a lot of um, they pressure 
absentee landlords. Uh, and, and so I think in, in that case, there's no open discussions, you know, we need to do this, we need to do this, uh, but it comes more just naturally from association. When you are out in a park, maybe just you and Jennifer, mm -hmm. how do you think that people perceive you? I, I guess I've been dealing this, with this for so many years that I don't pay any attention to it anymore. Um, when she was younger, um, I felt stared at, and in in St. Louis, in Louis um, I I don't really uh, I don't pay attention to it anymore, and I'm sure there are comments made by people who see us, and. Um, but I've never, I've never had anyone say anything directly to me or to her. When I, uh, I, I think one of the funniest things is when she, when we're in a store together, and but we're, but we're not together. You know, she's here and I'm here, and they will go. I've had people go up and say. Are you lost? You know, where's your mommy? <laughs> and then when I say, I'm her mommy, they look at me like, you're kidding. <laughs> I have gotten that. But um, I, I, I guess, you know, I don't pay that much attention to it here in St. Louis because we've had her. For a, for a long time. Um, I don't. Some say St. Louis is the most northern city in the South. Uh, do you feel St. Louis is. You've been around so much. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's unique in its racial attitudes and experiences from other places? I, I think there's probably still a lot of racism in St. Louis. Um, some of it's overt. Some of it isn't. It's more subtle. Um, and I, and I think that comes from both. Both ends of the spectrum. And um, I know there are, well, going back to one of the incidents that, that happened just on our block. We used to have a family that lived on our block, and they had been there for a long time, and they have since moved. And Joshua played with this little boy and they would let they would let Jennifer come in their house 
and play. But from some of the comments that this one little boy made, we couldn't tell if it was him or if it was his family that was very biased. And it got to the point where Dan would not allow this little boy to come in our house because of the way he treated Jennifer. And he used to tell Joshua that, you know, this is your sister and you have to stick up for her. No matter what, you have to stick up for her. And um, this little boy used to make comments like, you know, she's not your sister, she's black. And Joshua said that a couple of times to us. And he had a really bad attitude toward Jennifer for a while. And we told him, you know, she is your sister, she will always be your sister. Doesn't make any difference whether she's black, white, green, purple, whatever, polka dot. She is your sister. And she will always be. And so he, we haven't heard that since then. But um, I think of anybody in, in the immediate family, and, and part of it's probably just sibling rivalry. Uh, but I think sometimes Joshua has this feeling in the back of his head, you know, she isn't like me. Um, I, keep, I keep telling him that uh, he'll appreciate Jennifer one of these days when she has some really pretty girlfriends. <laughs> but um, there, there was nothing there was nothing overt in this. It was just a general feeling we had from this little boy. From this little boy, and and I didn't necessarily pick it up from his parents. And mm -hmm. so, you know, whether it was there and we didn't, they didn't show it toward us. Um, I don't know. Karen, is it is it hard to? to figure out where things are coming from. Uh, in other words, with your daughter-in-laws, uh, everybody's coming, everybody's- From everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> from everywhere. And uh, you had mentioned that uh, when you went out, it was over the phone, but mm -hmm. you always, you felt people stare yeah. at you just because- yeah. When really we're all together. Salvador. <laughs> Grand, uh, yeah. daughter-in-law, but, but I know Jim said down in, um, where were they, oh, they went shopping one day here in St. Louis when they were visiting, and if they had Jennifer, they had Joshua, they had their, at that point in time, they only had the one little boy, mm -hmm. and Evelyn and Jim. And Jim said, they got stared at so much. It was like, where are you coming from? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, is it hard to decipher? Curiosity from? From just a, a natural look. You know, the perception. The uh -huh. perception is what I want. The perception of what truly is 
what are people thinking. Yes, because that's hard enough just on a general day-to-day yeah. -day basis right. with workplace, right. family, regular, not uh, yeah. as diversified as yours. But I, it's, is it hard to keep it straight? And yeah, it's. I mean, you could read a lot into it if yeah. you wanted to. Yeah. And I mean, we've gotten looks for so many years that we don't. Now, down in Georgia, yes, I know I had nasty, nasty things said about me behind my back. Yeah, but I'm not trying to say these things but, aren't true. I'm just trying right. to say uh, that it, it must be a, a, is it a daily task? <laughs> no, uh, not anymore. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. I, I don't even, I don't think that much about it anymore. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank <cream>. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh,